0: Okay, good morning, everybody. A minute or so passed here, so it's about time to begin and continue our study. And this morning we are continuing to study the book of Proverbs. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open your Bible to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2 will be our text for the morning. And as we've been discussing, we're really focused on these first nine chapters this quarter in the book of Proverbs. We've opened up Proverbs, the first seven verses of chapter 1. Of course, verse 7 of chapter 1 being. The cornerstone verse for the entire book of Proverbs, chapter 1 through 31. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we see the choice that has to be made, this comparison. And remembering that Proverbs means comparison. So comparing the wise and the pathway of the wise versus the fool who despises wisdom and instruction. And in verse 8 of chapter 1, through the end of chapter 9, it opens up one long discourse with many discourses comprising that main point. And what is the context or the setting of this part of the book of Proverbs that we've been studying? What's the storyline here, beginning in verse 8? Father to a son, okay? the father is pleading to his son to hear his instruction to not forsake his mother's teaching and it seems to be the picture given that this son is 16, 17, 18, 19 years old about to go out into the world and the father and the mother know the kinds of temptations that will surely come the kinds of people who the son will inevitably encounter, and pleading with them to seek wisdom. That the instruction and the teaching of the father and the mother will be a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. And last week, we covered verse 20 of chapter 1 through the end of the chapter. In verse 20, we saw Lady Wisdom being introduced. That's wisdom personified as a woman. We saw that the characteristics of Lady Wisdom, that she was crying aloud in the market she raises her voice, at the head of the noisy streets, at the entrance of the city gates. And we talked about last week that she has made herself accessible to all people, to all who would hear. And we know that some will not, and will not turn at her reproof. And why was her plea so urgent? Why is the call of wisdom so urgent? What's the sense of urgency? Beginning of knowledge. Okay, it's the beginning of knowledge and why is that so important to grasp now as opposed to tomorrow or years down the road this calamity doesn't wait for us to be prepared it strikes in the short that's right that's right mr every- right, Reese. the calamity is going to come life is hard and trials will inevitably come And so we should heed the warning now and get wisdom now to ground us so that we have a foundation to weather those storms of life that will inevitably come. And wisdom one day we will call out, but as she said, I will not be found. So we can mock her advice now. She will mock our advice later on. So we see this comparison and she says whoever listens to me in verse 33 will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. And then last week we introduced the first couple verses of chapter 2 at the end of class. Um, Before we get into chapter 2 let's go to God in the word of prayer. Holy God, our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity that we have to assemble here as a body of your people to study your word. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to have eyes to see and ears to hear and an open heart to rightly discern your word and your wisdom for us. We pray that you would impart your wisdom into our lives and give us discernment and give us understanding that we may. Draw near to you, that you may draw ever more closely to us. We're so thankful for Jesus, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. <clears throat> okay, so chapter 2, verse 1, it opens up, my son, my son, and those are two words that we see at the beginning of almost every chapter heading, in chapters 1 through 9, my son, do you think is a reason or an application that we should draw just from those two words being repeated in every chapter? My, my son, what's the what's the application for us? Maybe the application for us as parents to teach our children. To teach our children. Or to listen. Or the children listen to your parents, to your father, or even. Yeah, so it, so it's both. As parents, we need to be mindful to have these kinds of conversations with our children to begin with and to have these conversations with our children while they are young. It's vitally important. And, and I was reading in the Gary Henry's Diligently Seeking God book, and he had a point in one of his books that I thought fit really well with this. And he said that particularly in our youth, the thing that tempts us to postpone dealing with God is the myth that godliness requires us to give up all pleasure. So the the young person, when they're receiving wisdom from their parents, what tends to be the attitude? you don't want me to have any fun but that's not the truth and so there's a trust factor here that has to be considered from the son to the father but the father pleading with the son my son if you hear my receive my words treasure up my commandments with you making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. What do these verses teach us about our pursuit in handling are seeking of wisdom. Yes, ma'am. I saw the first two verses as um, instructing you so this child or we listening to people who are to us and then the is, is, is me actually pursuing it and with great figure. Diligent pursuit, strenuous striving, seeking for this a silver and 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 yes, being being attentive, having an open ear and an open heart, inclining our heart to understanding. Wisdom is calling out to us. We should be calling back out to her, raising our voice for understanding. And, you know, wisdom that's offered is free on one hand. She's at the market and she's made herself accessible. <clears throat> but then on the other hand, it'll cost us everything. It'll cost us our entire lives. We have to empty ourselves in order to pursue the ways of God. <clears throat> so what are some practical ways that we can achieve this seeking of wisdom? It's one thing to say, seek it as silver, search for it as hidden treasures, but what, is, what are some practical ways that we could do that? Okay. Just being observant, and also folly is around us all the time as well. To see it and recognize, know what it Nobody is. Yes, and we'll see <clears throat> folly as a woman introduced in in chapter two and a few verses here. <clears throat> um, being observant. So that was that was one of the points that I had. Being observant in your own life's experiences, things that have happened to you, people that you've noticed in your life, being aware of your own influences, we saw that in chapter one, being aware of the enticement of sinners and the allure of sinners and to have the wisdom to, to detach from those people and to avoid those people because there's consequences to their actions. What are some other ways that we can seek wisdom other than observing our own life experiences? Study the scripture. Study the scripture. Absolutely. Study the scripture. Brother Chad? I thought age equals wisdom. I don't think that's always the case. Okay, yeah, that's a great point. Observing not only our own life experiences, but the life experiences of those who have experience in living a godly life and have lived their lives in a way that they have sought wisdom and um, heeding their reproof. So studying Scripture our own life experiences the life experiences of others and what's what's another way that we could practically seek wisdom like verse 3 for instance of chapter 2 how do we call out for insight prayer so, James chapter 1, if any seeks, lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously. So, prayer is an obvious method of seeking wisdom from God, praying that God would impart his wisdom to us. So, we have scripture, and the study of scripture, prayer learning from the experience of godly men and women who have who are all around us, and by observing experiences in our own lives. And like we said, this is not something that we can dabble in. This is something that requires effort. It's a strenuous pursuit, seeking wisdom. And we see that fools don't think this way. Fools just go about living their life however they would, would want to live it that day. They're not they're not seeking the wisdom of God or seeking the wisdom of other individuals. And then in verse six reads For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you, understanding will guard you. Delivering you from the way of evil. So where does wisdom come from? Our creator. From our creator. And specifically, the Lord gives wisdom, but what comes from someone's mouth? What comes out of our mouth? Words. Words. So we see that the words of God is where knowledge and understanding live for us to go and seek. So how does that affect our Bible study? How should we view the scripture? Excuse me. Yeah, it's it's the infallible word of God. This is God's voice, as Deuteronomy thirty would say. This is the word of God to help us in, in this life and in the life to come. And so we see that even if we have this pursuit and we diligently seek wisdom, it's still a gift. It's still something that the Lord gives. It reminds me of, it's neither he that plants nor he that waters, but God who gives the increase. It seems to be a similar kind of idea here. We can pray and we can study, but we could never attain wisdom by osmosis or by our own pursuit. It's still the Lord who has to give us this wisdom. He stores up wisdom for the upright. And I think of a barn just filled with hay. And he's not going to run out. Wisdom increases and multiplies. The more wisdom we gain, the more wisdom we receive. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity. Okay, so... Wisdom is inherently protective. We've seen that already in in chapter 1. The way of folly leads to destruction. The way of wisdom is protective, guarding us against all evil and our own destruction. Guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. In almost every verse it seems to mention path or way. We're talking so much about navigating life and how to orient ourselves and where are we getting our coordinates from? Navigating life. Think of you know sailing and as our pursuit of God goes, we can't let our anchor down and we can't just sit adrift in the ocean because the waves will will inevitably drift. We talked about the simple last week and the simple minded person is someone who is easily persuaded, is vulnerable and eventually they will calcify into a fool. We've got to keep sailing. We've got to keep seeking. If we're going to attain wisdom and the paths of righteousness, you'll understand righteousness, justice, and every good path. We talked about that at the very beginning of Proverbs. This is the proper moral path, the ideal way of living our lives. And what does it say in verse 10 and 11? What's the nature of wisdom in verse 10 and 11? Yes, ma'am. Yes, protective nature of wisdom. And we see that wisdom protects us not only externally, but in verse 10 and 11, we see that this is an internal protection as well. Wisdom will come into our heart. Knowledge will be pleasant to our soul. This is speaking, I believe, to a transformation. Remember, Lady Wisdom in chapter 1 said, If you turn at my reproof, and we talked about that turning as repentance. And repentance coming from the word of reproof. We're not going to repent on our own accord. We're not going to find wisdom on our own accord. But if we listen and are open to receiving the words of wisdom and the words of God, it will transform us. That's the message of Deuteronomy 30, the circumcision of the heart. It's echoed in Romans chapter 10. Knowledge will be pleasant to our soul. Yes, ma'am. That's a great point. Peace. So it's not only, you know, peace is an outcome of this Godly wisdom applied to our lives and you know going back to just the definition of wisdom It's knowledge and understanding applied and lived out in our lives But peace And we see that peace is Truly life And what God would have for us Is peace that's what God wants for his saints And the way of his saints Fools don't have Peace we're going to see that more here in the next couple of verses. So, delivering you from the way of evil, verse 12. So, there's a deliverance taking place. Who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. There you see it again. Ways, another path. Who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. What does this tell us about people that are on the other path? What, they, what sorts of things are they thinking about? taking advantage of others. We saw that in in chapter 1 as well. Where is their delight? Doing evil, it's, it's not in the Lord. So where is our delight? Where do we find our joy in this life? had written down here, Psalm one nineteen one o three. 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. How do we view the words of wisdom? Do we delight in the word of God? Do we treasure up the word of God? Or do we delight in doing evil? And <clears throat> so we see that again there's a decision that has to be made the father is stressing to the son that there is literally a crisis at hand and our word for crisis in the Greek means that there's a turning point that a decision has to be made to deliberate meaning there are two choices but to deliberately Choose one or the other. So seek wisdom. And is all of this, these things that we see, the outcome of wisdom gaining this understanding and all of this protection and peace, will it happen overnight? Maybe. Maybe so. And so is the way the ways of evil too. It it doesn't come overnight. We don't just wake up and are evil one day. These are it's a gradual process. And we talk all the time. God doesn't want perfection. He wants progress. There's a process that is taking place. <clears throat> Any thoughts, comments on that? Yes, ma'am. Consequences to our actions. So, yeah, you see the, fir- the 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 positive results of that for sure. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. It kind of it treats evil as its own kind of wisdom because they are seeking ways to do harm to you. It's a mindset within you. You either choose to do good. others and it's the same thing for wisdom of good learning from others who you want anyway like. so it's, it's really a mindset of what you choose to do in your life that's a great point there you know we talked in the the first class there there is wisdom of the world and the bible speaks to that and that's obviously not the sort of wisdom that we're we're uh, striving for here in proverbs that the father is stressing to the son And then, when we open up verse 16, we see introduced a topic that will come up a lot more in these first nine chapters, especially in chapter 7. It says, So you will be delivered from the forbidden woman, From the adulteress with her smooth words, who forsakes the companion of her youth and forgets the covenant of her God, for her house sinks down to death and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. So an introduction here to... Sexual immorality. And a clear warning. What do these verses tell us about this forbidden woman? What kind of a woman is this? She leads to death. What about her character? What kind of a... What's her disposition? Great point, Evan. And we see that echoed from chapter 1 as well. Let us lie and wait. Let us ambush. And so we see that contrast again. That proverb of this comparison of wisdom and folly. Wisdom, she was screaming out in the streets, she was everywhere that she could be found folly and evil there's a secrecy this is a, a persuasive in the dark hidden kind of thing so that's that's a comparison there for sure it's a great point what yes sir it almost to live Change one. This one decision to go to this forbidden woman, and then it leads to a path that changes your entire life. Yes, it says, "None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life." Do you think that's? Yes, ma'am. I was just going to say I have a footnote there that references in Hebrew really interesting especially in light of what he starts talking about 17 through 22 as far as like who gets to stay in the land and who goes out of the land and it brings to mind a lot of his instruction to the people as they were going into the promised land to stay separate (coughs) from these foreign nations and from marrying foreign wives and i think that metaphor fits really well here to keep ourselves separate um from from those those influences and what the impact of that could be. If <coughs> it's a sorry. great point. Uh, the warning still remains the same as when they first entered Canaan to don't mix with the nations, a warning of where that leads and that ultimately if you do mix with the nations what we see is that you tend to become just as they were. Verse 17, how how does she feel about covenants? Maybe any covenant, but especially a covenant relationship with God. How How does she view that? Excuse me? And she enters into it without much thought. She does, she, she's flipping about. Him. Yeah, she. she you know yep, yeah, she, she could take it or th- leave it. Th- we see that <clears throat> forsakes the companion of her youth, forgets the covenant of her God. What's a conclusion about this woman that we could make if we had to put an age and a descriptor married or single what would we say about this woman from verse 17 selfish self-centered of course and well it says forsakes the companion of her youth so maybe she's older and, and, and maybe hearkening back to the days of her youth and forgets the covenant of of her God seeming to imply that she's a married woman. Yes. So perhaps uh, the warning to the son, be particularly mindful of staying away from an, an adulteress, someone who is married. That is a sin that is beyond... Maybe any sin, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And as, as Alan had mentioned, you know, all, st- all sin stains and all sin scars, but it seems that some sins maybe stick with you a little longer than others. And again, going back to that idea of peace. God wants us to have peace and to have peace of mind and to go to sleep at night with a a clear conscience. But that's not going to happen if we commit this sin. Okay? If if we fall prey to the adulterous woman, we're not going to forget that. And in verse 19, none who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. Do you think that's an absolute? Well, they definitely lost their innocence. So that can't be regained the Once their innocence is lost, it's better. Right. So in, in a sense, yes. they. This paths of life, if you look at life and that deeper meaning, like Evan had mentioned, this true life being peace and prosperity, um, and there is a sense maybe you won't ever have that kind of life that you could have had because of committing this sin yeah absolutely and, and David and Bathsheba you know David he repented, but was he ever the same? Did he ever forget Bathsheba? And we still talk about it today. If you say David and, you think Bathsheba. And that's, that's an awful thing, and we don't want that on our, on our record. So, you will walk in the way of the good and keep to the paths of the righteous for the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it but the wicked will be cut off from the land and the treacherous will be rooted out of it so again walking in the way and what's implied by walking Yeah, it's it, it's a way of life, and it, and it it becomes our life in general. And this is every day, every decision, walking. When we talk about our walk with God, it's not something that stops and starts. This is a part of us walking in the way, living. This wisdom, and that is wisdom, and that is godly wisdom, living our lives according to the wisdom that we've received from his word and having received that instruction. What do you think about the upright will inhabit the land and those with integrity will remain in it? That the wicked will be cut off from the land. What do y'all think that means? And it might have been yeah, yeah, it, it could be a reference to the kingdom or, or the land of Israel that had come up. To me, it gives an idea of judgment. There will be a reckoning. There will be a reckoning. Absolutely, there is a crisis at hand to take a take a stand and make a decision. You know, maybe a, an elementary way of looking at this, but the upright will inhabit the land. The wicked will be cut off from the land. Um, You know, going back to the end of chapter one, at ease without dread of disaster, if if we are walking in a godly way and walking with wisdom guiding us in our lives, (coughs) we're going to be rooted in the soil of wherever we are. We're going to have a firm foundation without fear of it being taken away from us. The wicked are not rooted and grounded in anything, and they're gonna be swept away whenever disaster and calamity strikes. I mean, if you even think about it, like where a lot of these paths for the young man could lead, you know, if I were to talk to my sons, it'd be these paths are gonna, you're gonna wind up dead or in prison. And if you think about prison, um, that's a pretty elementary way of looking at it, but it's a, it's a picture in my mind that you're not going to have peace and you'll be taken away eventually uh, from the land where you dwell. Any conclusions for chapter 2? Yes, ma'am. Part of it. But we have to show them somehow that, that that is not fun. So this is where you'll have the peace. Because to a younger person, there is an appeal to sin. It does seem fun, and it does seem enticing, as we saw in chapter one. But as we talked about our ways of seeking and attaining wisdom. Son, you don't have to have your life ruined and ruin the lives of those around you in order to decide that that was a bad path. You know, and the trust factor comes in again, but heed the warning. Don't let that happen to you. Life is hard. It's hard on either path, wisdom or folly, but it's a whole lot easier on the path of wisdom. It seems that a very practical reason to for a young person to take their dealing with God and a having a responsible approach to how they deal with God is that your character is being shaped in your youth and it happens quickly so while you're young make your mind up and we see that several times in Proverbs and in the scriptures but your character is being shaped. Don't, you don't have to let this happen to you. As a parent, you don't want this to happen to your child. You want your children to make productive and protective decisions for themselves. There was an African proverb that I have here that says, If you refuse to be made straight when you are green... You will not be made straight when you are dry. So that same idea there. Listen to the Lord now and in your youth. And obviously the urgent plea of wisdom, listen to wisdom while it's still available. And draw near to God while he can still be found. A decision has got to be made ultimately. And this is not going to happen overnight. This is a process. It's going to take discernment. Discernment doesn't happen overnight. Discerning what the will of of God is for us in our lives. Hebrews chapter 5 talks about our skills of discernment being exercised and being trained. And sometimes even walking on the, the path of wisdom the wise call may not be what's natural to us, it may not be something that we want to do, but being wise enough and having the discernment trained within us to understand what the will of God is and to make those difficult decisions in life. And ultimately, God's will overruling whatever will that we have for ourselves Okay, so next week we will pick up chapter 3. Trusting in the Lord with all your heart. Again, opening up my son. Do not forget my teachings. Let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. So the parents stressing to their children, we want peace for you and this is how to get it. Stick to wisdom, stick to God, Be aware of your influences and be aware that there are consequences to your actions. Any thoughts, comments before we close this morning? Thank you everybody for your comments.